Welcome to Commercial Real Estate Investing from A to Z, the ultimate guide for real estate investors. I'm your host, Steph Boldrini. We cover everything you need to know from finding and analyzing properties to financing and managing your investments. Tune in every week for experts' insights and tips so you can make your commercial real estate dreams come true. And in today's episode, we are talking about why should a busy professional invest in real estate? What are the benefits and the risks of investing in a syndication? And also how to vet operators. We are chatting with Sandra. Sandra chose to be anonymous today because of her profession. And she is going to share a lot of great insights. I'm very sorry for the quality of my mic. I'm currently traveling abroad and I did not bring my podcast microphone here. So I apologize. Here we go. Sandra, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate your time. Why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Thank you for having me on your podcast, Stephanie. I'm a huge fan. (laughs) So I started investing passively about a year ago. I'm a physician and I work in the oncology space and I've always had an interest in commercial real estate. I had a few family members who had purchased small shopping centers. So I had some familiarity, at least on the property management side. And I started learning as much as I could about commercial real estate and the various asset classes, um, and passive investing probably about a year ago. And I just became a consumer of real estate knowledge. And in my spare time, while I was cooking, commuting, traveling, I started listening to commercial real estate podcasts, including your podcast, of course. (laughs) I started also uh, reading several books. Uh, A few fantastic books that I recommend are The Hands-Off Investor by Brian Burke and uh, Passive Investing Made Simple by Anthony Vecino and Dan Kruger. They give great overviews of real estate and passive investing. So you are an extremely busy professional. And as far as I know, you probably have to be at work physically every single day. So that's a very busy life. Why should a busy professional invest in real estate in general? And if you'd like to also talk a little bit about what is a syndication for our listeners that may be beginners. So I'll cover the benefits first because there are so many. And then maybe I can dig into what a syndication is. So real estate has many, many benefits. Unlike crypto or stocks, It's a hard, tangible asset, and it's generally stable and less volatile. So there will always be some value in the land and the building itself. And you can use leverage or debt to purchase it. So, for example, if you purchase a property and borrow 75% of the property's cost, and the property value increases 25%, you've essentially doubled your money. So basically, you're borrowing money to generate income and grow your wealth. Real estate is also great for an investor who has a long-term horizon. 
it's really a long-term game because real estate tends to appreciate over time. And so if you hold on to a property for many, many years, you gradually grow your wealth over time. In addition to the market's appreciation, you can also force appreciation on a property by making some repairs or improvements. And you can also reduce expenses and that will help you increase value and income. And given our high inflationary environment, another major benefit of real estate is that it can be a hedge against inflation because property values tend to increase over time, especially in an inflationary environment. So leaving money in the bank can sometimes cause it to lose value when there's inflation. Another point that everyone always emphasizes about real estate is that it has major tax benefits. I am by no means a tax professional. I work in oncology, but in, in broad strokes, there are several tax advantages, such as writing off the depreciation, which is the wear and tear of a building. And it's over a specified period of time. So it's possible to receive positive cash flow, even if you have a tax loss. Another benefit in terms of investing in real estate is that it can actually just become a new skill, just like anything else. Um, I'm a firm believer in what really sets apart successful people is a growth mindset and the ability to master new skills over time and expand your knowledge. So I think Adam Grant, he's this organizational psychologist that I follow. He said something like, the highest form of self-confidence is believing in your ability to learn. Learning about real estate has been an exciting journey. And it also has helped elucidate various economic factors. So it helps you keep yourself updated on the latest trends in the overall economy. And you just started learning this one year ago? Yes. <laughs> Congratulations. Why did you start to learn about real estate investing versus other forms of investing? I think because I just always had an interest in real estate for all the reasons that I mentioned. There are so many benefits to real estate. And I think also having that exposure early on, having family members who had invested in real estate certainly piqued my interest. But being a busy professional, I just never had the time to learn about real estate until I decided that I wanted to learn about it and invest any spare time I had into learning this new skill. So once I became this consumer of knowledge and started listening to podcasts while I was commuting or traveling, that's when I, it really piqued my interest. And then the more I learned, the more I, I wanted to learn about real estate. So in terms of what a syndication is, a syndication is just a group of investors who pool their money together to buy a real estate asset. So as a busy professional, you would be a passive investor or a limited partner, and you provide some of the capital to purchase a property. And the sponsor, who's also known as an operator or a general partner, provides their time, experience, and network to buy and operate and eventually sell the property. So it's a fully passive investment. Well, that must be nerve wracking at first to give uh, money to potentially a stranger. 
uh, but I'll dive into a little bit of that later. Before we do that, let's dive into what are the benefits and the risks that you have learned so far of investing in a syndication. There are several benefits, but I think the major benefit is that it's a completely passive investment for the busy professional. Another advantage is actually the ability to diversify geographically, as well as across asset classes. So you can invest, let's say, in a self-storage facility in North Carolina, and you can also invest in a 200-unit apartment building in Minnesota. So you can pretty much invest anywhere in the U.S., and you have no geographic limitations. Another benefit is that you can invest smaller amounts of money. So usually the minimum investment is around 100000 The average purchase price, just to give you some perspective, for a small commercial real estate deal tends to be in the millions. And of course, you save a lot of time because as a busy professional, time is our greatest asset. So you could spend countless hours looking for a property and trying to determine if it will cash flow, or you could just leave it to the experts to handle the work. In terms of risks, there are, however, some risks. You are essentially putting your faith in the sponsor, like you mentioned, Stephanie, to execute a business plan, and you want to feel comfortable with them controlling your money. And so lack of control is another downside. As a passive investor, you're essentially giving up control of the investment to the sponsor. And another risk is that you have no liquidity and your investment is locked in during the duration of the deal, which is also called the hold period. Basically, the amount of time that the asset will be owned. So your capital can be locked in between anywhere from three to 10 years, let's say. And so sometimes a five-year plan can turn into a 10-year plan if the market conditions are not optimal during the time of sale. Another major risk is the potential for the loss of your capital. And no one wants to lose their money, but it, it can and, and has happened. And that's why it's so important to screen and vet the sponsor. Absolutely. I always tell people, if you're putting yourself out there and, and not leaving your money in a savings account, at some point, we all have lost money one way or another. Myself with Bitcoin and angel investing <laughs> and a couple of other things. So it, it is part of the game. However, from your perspective, how do you vet an operator with the knowledge that you have gained over the last year? You want to talk to them and you want to try to meet them on a Zoom call or ideally in person. And really just listen to what they are saying. Are they listening to you and interested in learning about you? And what is their track record? Do they have experience in this particular asset class? Another good question to ask the operator is, are they co-investing in the deal? And if so, how much? In general, I try to measure their character. Do they seem overly confident or do they have a more conservative mindset? And of course, you know, are they dodging your questions? Are they being open and transparent? And that gives you a sense of how trustworthy they, they are. And one way to evaluate this is to understand if they've encountered challenges or failures or how they've had handled underperforming deals and what they learned from the experience. Because everyone has failures, so transparency is key. 
And I think that the most important question to ask yourself is what does your intuition tell you about the sponsor? Because Stephanie, you know, as you know, we've talked about this before, but women tend to be incredibly intuitive and we're very attuned to what our gut is telling us. So at the end of the day, you should listen to your gut regarding a sponsor. And you can also do background checks or Google them as well. And then lastly, you should actually do due diligence on the deal itself and review the properties and locations and understand how they analyze the deal. Look at their projections for returns. Are their numbers too positive? Do they seem to be overpromising in terms of their returns? Are their returns much higher than average? Those are good questions to ask yourself. Very, very, very good points, especially meeting in person if you can. And also knowing the answers to their questions requires you knowing the business so you can understand if they are advanced in their responses or if they're just a newbie that, and I have seen this in a couple of people that are being investigated by the SEC right now. It's pretty clear if you really observe and observe the answers that they're not very knowledgeable in the field. Like you were saying, if they're they're trying to dodge the answer. Very important things. Thank you. On that same vein, what are some of the red flags, if there's anything else you want to point out in that question, uh, red flags to look out for in an operator? Uh, A couple of points that you've already noted as well are the level of experience that comes through in the questions you ask and if they're dodging questions. And I think also their, their ability to communicate effectively and also if they have inconsistent messaging, because I think this could be a sign that they're just not trustworthy. Of course, you should always go with your gut on the character of the sponsor. Another potential red flag is if they're not detail-oriented um, or if they charge very high fees compared to other syndicators. I always inquire about the fee structure. There are various fees like the acquisition fee or the asset management fee, and they should be within a certain range. Another point for due diligence is to always review the documentation like the subscription and operating agreements carefully before you sign anything. Regarding fees for the knowledge of our passive investors, what is standard for you? Let's say the the total, let's say from acquisition all the way to exit fees, adding all of the percentages up. On average, it can be an average as well. So asset management fees are usually anywhere between 1% and 2%. Acquisition fees can be anywhere between 1% and 3%, let's say. And the disposition fee is typically anywhere between 1% and 2%. And the construction fee is typically around 5%. So probably up to 10% is, is reasonable. Let's move on to how do you evaluate a deal right now with all the knowledge that you have acquired so far? So I review fundamentals like the properties themselves and the location. What type of properties are they? Are they class A, class B? What about the location itself? You know, everyone always says location, location, location in real estate. And it's, it's very much true. So, for example, um, is it an area of population growth or is there job growth? Because those markets tend to appreciate. And is the sponsor adding value? And how are they adding value? Are they improving the operational efficiency to increase income? 
and how much leverage are they using and what is the interest rate and is it a fixed or floating interest rate so these are some of the questions i ask myself and i always evaluate the return metrics that they share and there's some basic terminology that's good to understand one term that you'll often hear is the internal rate of return or the irr and this is basically the total time adjusted returns of an investment and there's a formal definition but it's really just the return adjusted for time many deals are usually somewhere in like the 15 to 18% range another term you'll hear is the cash on cash return and this is the annualized return relative to the initial amount invested so what that means is if you invest $100,000 and you receive an annual distribution of $10,000 then you have a cash on cash return of 10%. Another term you'll often hear is the equity multiple and the equity multiple is the total amount of distributions received divided by the amount of the initial investment. So if you invest 100,000 and then you get a total return of 200,000 then the equity multiple is 2x because you've doubled your money. Another common term is the equity split. So this is the ratio of equity that goes to a sponsor versus a passive investor. So for example, in an 80-20 split, the passive investors get 80% of the return and the sponsors get 20% of the returns. The last term that's important to understand is the preferred return. And this is the claim on profits provided to investors. So for example, the passive investors receive, let's say, a 6 to 8% return on their investment before the sponsors share in any of the returns. So these are some of the most common terms you'll hear in syndication deals. Wow, Sandra, I am so impressed with what you have learned in the last one year. And I must add that you and I have met at a conference, which goes to show that it is very important to educate yourself, uh, not only by listening to podcasts and YouTube videos and reading books, but also going out there and meeting people. You never know who you might meet that may actually help you evaluate a deal as a first time, second, third time passive investor. So I really, really appreciate you making the time to come on anonymously <laughs> to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Stephanie, for having me. It's been my pleasure. And this is for our Bay Area listeners. We are going to be having Fannie Mae's chief economist come give his economic forecast on June 8th at 6 p.m. I'm going to put the link under show notes. This is a very timely event. He's going to be talking about bank failures. Are the interest rates going to keep going up or not? And what are the consequences of that? I will put the link under show notes. I look forward to seeing you there and I will see you next time.